Hello, friends, listeners, friendly listeners, listeners who are our friends. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the 1999 Roswell edition. My name is Emily, and my co-host is my sister Megan, who is being wonderful and letting me make her view this show. Meg, you're the best. Also, listeners, you need to know that she's the best because I am on a super heavy book deadline this week and she has agreed to edit the podcast this week and I'm so grateful for her. So Megan, thank you from the bottom of my heart. You are just such a great sister. Quick background on the podcast if this is your first time through. I have seen most of this show now (laughs) and We watch it through one episode at a time, and then Meg gets to guess what she thinks is going to happen next week. We also do this for another uh, piece of media, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. So if you are interested in that, you can also check out My Sister Made Me View at The Way of Kings. But for now, we're going to get into Roswell. So thanks for coming by, and we'll get into it. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. What? We're so happy to have you back, and we're so happy to be back recording. Um, Except, Megan, it has been a terrible week. Are you saying the week was terrible because of the episode we just watched? No, I have a different reason for my oh, life no. being terrible. All right, let's talk about you. Tell me. Okay. What's wrong? I had a little time for myself this weekend. So I pulled out a puzzle and I put it all together and it's 750 pieces and I am missing one piece. So it's only 749 pieces? It's only 749 pieces and I worked so hard on it and I'm missing a piece. You know, I bet if you got a cereal box and you glued... No, I don't! Stop! I don't want to fix. I want to complain. Complain. Tell me. <laughs> I hate it. This is the worst. What was My the life picture is supposed to be before it was horribly ruined by this missing piece? It's supposed to be a Thomas Kincaid picture of the Little Mermaid. Oh no! What's mer- missing? Um, what is missing? Hold on. Oh, it's an underwater piece, and I'm. It's just one. And that's horrible. Listen, I, I have anxiety. And this is not helping my anxiety because the puzzle was supposed to be calming and wonderful and what? now it's not complete and I'm freaking out over it. You have anxiety? Why? This is so brand new information. Uh, I'm so sorry. Do you Thank think it you. came missing a piece or do you think your dog ate no. one? No, I think I knocked the pieces, the box with all the pieces in it off the table probably four or five or eight times. And I was originally missing three. <laughs> and I found you, two of them. Do you think that has anything to do with why you can't find them? <laughs> Not at all. I don't know why you would bring up. <laughs> so I'm going to keep looking. It's got to be here mm-hmm. somewhere. But wish me luck, everybody, because if I don't find it, I might have a nervous breakdown. No, don't do that. Okay. There, Come you on. fixed it. <laughs> okay, good. Listen. If you did have a nervous breakdown and could no longer podcast, I would not watch any more Roswell. (laughs) 
I listen, I would read the way of kings in your memory and I would carry on. I would not touch another oh, episode no. of this show. Oh no. Listeners, my jaw dropped at the end of this episode not because it was a shocking twist or anything which but that's what i hoped it was no i was flabbergasted at how much i hated this oops like emily i can't explain it okay so so two episodes ago mm-hmm. was a really bad episode we both agreed yes. and then yes. the next episode after that test lies and videotape i was like okay okay do you know what okay and then this one, I was like, nope, nope, no, <laughs> no. This was, this was so horrible. Like, the twists, quote unquote, that they just threw in there, the just assumptions that the character makes, and I'm just like, well, I guess this is the story now. The, like, complete personality bombing of two of our romantic couples. Emily, I'm furious. I'm sorry. I didn't write this. You didn't even watch it either. <laughs> do you do you have memory of the events of this episode? Did you know that this was coming? No, I did not. It leaves me hope that the horrible aftermath is not permanent. But do you, listeners, do you remember back when we finished the pilot and Emily says... Oh, the title of the next episode is The Morning After. What do you think it's about? And I said, I think there's a mystical alien pregnancy. Well, no, I don't think the show's going to do that. (laughs) Guess what happens this episode? (laughs) I'm so mad about it. And then it just ends. It ends so abruptly. There's Mm -hmm. no wrap up. There's no, this is how we feel about it. This is what's happening to us. It's just. So Emily, let's talk about uh, Roswell season one, episode 19, Foursquare. What did you think of the episode? So this definitely felt like, oh my gosh, we have to get the show on a specific track and we need to have specific things happen. And so, again, this is my same complaint about, what was the one that we hated? 17. Yeah, we liked 16, which was sexual healing. Crazy. Then we hated crazy. 17, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. We were okay with 18. And now we here we are with 19, which mm-hmm. I wonder if, are the, the people who wrote 17 and 19 the same people? Um, let me check really fast. Because I agree with you, it again has that feeling of like, we need this to happen, so just mm-hmm. have it happen. I feel like, okay, before I look that up really quick, um, you were talking about, when we've talked about it in the earlier one, where we're like, oh, the plot has to do something, so we're going to force the characters to do things that they normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And that happens where something comes out of left field, and we will get to that, but something comes <laughs> completely out of left field, and there's no supporting evidence there's no nothing all of a sudden someone just goes this is what's happening and it's a huge huge deal that they have like there's nothing to back it up they're just like it's as if i said today is christmas and acted like today was christmas and put up the tree and had gifts and everything yeah i might like act like it's christmas but it it's not christmas not only that it was as if You're acting as if it's Christmas, and I walk out into the front room, and you say, can't you feel it? It's Christmas. 
and then I look at the tree and say, you're absolutely right. It must be Christmas because of this <laughs> Christmas tree. And there's literally no other possible avenue of explanation we could explore. Not that I'm nuts or have the days mixed up. Yeah, no. Okay, let's see. I'm trying to still find the writer for these two episodes really fast. It's interesting that this is the same sort of feeling that I got way back in the episode where they were in the cave finding the symbols where it felt like that was the ideas for two different episodes smashed together because mm -hmm. like story points are happening, but there's no storytelling that's going along with them. It's mm -hmm. like the characters are reading a summary of like the outline of what's supposed to happen. Interesting enough, the two writers that wrote our least favorite episodes, should I say their names? Should I not say their names? <laughs> or is it the same writers? I'm not going to say their names, but the writers who wrote The Balance and Crazy and Foursquare, same writers, don't care for them, don't care for their storytelling approaches because they just think if they tell us this is what's happening that they don't have to back it up. But that's not good storytelling. Yeah, feels like they just called dibs on the alien significant episodes. So whenever an alien significant thing just happens, it's very jarring. Mm -hmm. Although could be somebody else wrote them and the episodes were a mess. And then these other writers says, listen, we'll clean up what we can. Oh, that's true. Although I'm just I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. It takes a village to make a TV episode. <laughs> it, it is. T uh, television is the biggest team project there is. But mm -hmm. there's a reason that the coach isn't the one running plays on the field. <laughs> Did Jonathan Frakes direct this one? No. Uh, oh, wait. That was... Yes, Jonathan Frakes did direct this one. Because you said that, and I was like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> my... <laughs> My coworker Jonathan Franks. <laughs> That's not true. We've never met. It's so, what's so saddening to me about this is I'll be watching an episode and be like, I like this. And then the next episode comes along and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The very first shot, I was super intrigued because... It's this very cool shot of this beautiful starlit sky and Isabel in like, okay, this sounds weird, but like heavy makeup. I know that sounds weird, mm -hmm. but it's like this very heavy makeup and she is confessing her love. You know, she's made up with like dark lipstick, heavy eyeliner, heavy everything, and she's confessing her love to Alex and... You know, they're talking about, you're the only one for me, and kind of like a Liz and Max sort of, like, destiny brings us together or whatever, and slowly... What? Nothing. Okay. I'm just thinking about this dream sequence, mm -hmm. because it goes from her kissing Alex in night, and then it goes to daytime, and there's this weird filter over it that's, like, putting a sheen on her, because all of a sudden she's just... She's wearing a very low-cut top, but since it's mm -hmm. only being shot from the collarbone up, it yeah, it's very sensual kissing. And they pull apart, and then just way behind them on the desert cliffs, Michael is just <laughs> standing there with his arms folded, 
angrily watching them kiss. And in her dream, like, Michael's reaching out to her and it's interspersing with Alex reaching out for her. And so something is being set up in this dream that... Meg, you could tell there was bad news coming. I was so... I was just mad because it seemed like all of a sudden she's just going to swap her emotions to Michael. Now, we have seen throughout the show that she does care for him, but I don't think it's been romantic up to this point. Right. And the thing with Isabel is I love her character. I'm going to try not to go on a tangent, Megan, but if I do, you need to stop me. I love Isabel. I love that they made her more than just a mean girl. That she has depth to her. Like you said, she really does care for Michael. I mean, she tried so hard in Independence Day to take care of him. She's the one that is, out of the two of them, out of Max and out of Isabel, she is the much better friend to Michael. And so I can see why maybe the the writer said, oh, there's an emotional relationship there already. We can just flip-flop. That's not how real life works. And I know TV's yeah. not real life. I get that. I get that. But I just was sad that all of a sudden it was so easy for her to flip because it has taken the whole season for her to even be slightly comfortable letting Alex be a thing with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's kept him at a very, she's kept him at arm's length, at a very, very distance of arm's length. And... Again, I can see why the writers are like, oh, well, she's known Michael her whole life, and so it'll be great. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, so. and and aside from that, Michael and Maria, their relationship and like their building of trust in each other, what they've been working on has also been uh, a very central part of the series up to this point. And listeners, if you haven't picked up on the bad news by now, I'm going to give you a spoiler for this episode. Michael and Isabel start cheating on their significant others in their dreams. And then Isabel becomes convinced that she is magically alien pregnant because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how the episode ends. Like, that's the episode. Yeah. Yeah. There, we're done. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Great. Shortest <laughs> Roswell episode ever. <laughs> So Isabel wakes up from her initial dream um, because Alex is seeing something on the monitors. If you remember, uh, Liz left a black camera in a bowl of amber stones uh, in plain view on the family piano. And the kids who are looking in the warehouse see Tess on the camera. And then they do they walkie talkie? Do they cell phone call? They cell phone call. Uh, Michael and Maria, who are in their car. And I th- I thought this was a bit of a fun opener that we see each partner, like each couple, uh, that we have, they're, they're each stationed. This is clearly like a plot they have to follow Tess. And it was fun to see like this big extravagant opening. And then it ends with uh, Liz cornering Tess in the bathroom. And Tess is like, I thought we talked everything out. I thought we were friends now. And Liz is like, I am. And then Tess says, then how come everyone's following me? And it like crashes us in opening credits. And I liked 
I liked that, that we saw everyone trying so hard to be so secretive and we have this whole plot worked out and then it's revealed that like Tess knows the whole thing anyway. I did like that. I forgot. They think that Tess is Nisado. They think Tess is the shape-shifting murderous alien and that Nisado wants to seduce Maxwell for some reason. And Emily has sent me a message saying that I've cut out and she can't hear anything that I'm saying. This episode is cursed. It is. All all of our headphones simultaneously just went out and our call wasn't processing sound anymore. And it was because Zoom just like evilly suddenly just took over all the sound settings for our Google Hangouts meeting. So bad, so weird. bad form there, Zoom. Uh, I had a thought. And Megan was probably saying something amazing. You're going to hear it in the edit because my recording kept going. I'm pretty sure I finished it, but I talked about how much I liked this cold open pretty much. Like forget the dream, the bit with the kids have done this whole plan and they're being so secretive and they're being so careful and they've got it all planned out. And then it's revealed at the end that Tess already knows exactly what they're doing. And then Mm -hmm. I was talking about, there's a conversation with Liz and Max. And so this is when you signaled me with the wiggly fingers that means look at the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I was saying was, is the kids are convinced that Tess is Nisado, the evil shape-shifting murderer alien. And for some reason, they think Nisado wants to seduce Max. Yes, because Liz and Max have this conversation at school where Max, again, is begging Liz, please, you have to believe me, kissing Tess meant nothing, um, and that please have faith in me. And Liz tells him, I totally have faith in you because now we know it was Nisato. <laughs> like, they just made this huge leap, like... This weird, huge leap into, like, no, Tess can't actually be an alien. Tess is Nisado. Like, Tess is, you know, can't be her own alien. And then I am screaming at them. Don't you remember there were five stones that clearly symbolize five aliens? Because I believe that was something I guessed earlier. You Um, did. This episode is called Foursquare because there is a symbol in Isabel's dream that pretty much looks like the letter X with a square attached to each end of it. And Mm -hmm. by the end of the episode, we will find out that this X shape, these four cubes are supposed to represent these four kids. And I like to imagine that Nisado was, he's represented by the X. Mm. So Emily, I'm going to throw a wild out there guess okay i think the reason why tess and max are drawn to each other Mm -hmm. i think they had a life before they came to earth okay um and i think that isabel and max and uh michael and tess nope isabel and michael and max and tess there you go megan Mm -hmm. were coupled up before this happened And they are either sent here because they are alien criminals or they are sent here because they're alien royalty and they're trying to be protected. I'm stealing a little bit of that from Three Below, the Guillermo del Toro animated series. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Nisado originally came as their bodyguard or 
prison captor, depending on which situation it was. So that's what I think's happening with the aliens. Or, or, listen, I know it's way too early in the episode to do predictions. I think Nisado might be Isabel and Michael's child that they've already had and don't remember. So I don't think Isabel is pregnant right now. I think they've had a baby before and forgotten about it. And it's Nisado. So kind of like Melody Pond a la Doctor Who. (laughs) Listen, we don't have time for me to talk all about my Doctor Who feelings. I liked the Melody Pond stuff. I think they burned through their River Song storyline way too fast. Because we, we saw technically the last time she met the Doctor with the 10th doctor and then Mm -hmm. the first time we saw the doctor with the 11th doctor and i would have waited a couple doctors to reveal that but i understand that stephen moffat probably didn't know how long he was going to stay on the show and like this was his precious storyline that he crafted and he wanted to see it all the way through i'm just saying that Mm -hmm. as a viewer i would have liked a longer wait on the river song reveal is that too much to ask <laughs> it is. Such it a is. Whiner. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. Why am I like this? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Just have a mind that won't quit. I need different hobbies. <laughs> I'm not gonna say what hobbies you should work on because it's I, a secret. <laughs> I need. Well, listen, video games. I'm not nearly as critical of video games as I am with movies. Although, we booted up Horizon Zero, no, Horizon Forbidden West, which I haven't played yet because I'm back in California, but I left my PlayStation in Utah. (laughs) And I don't think I was very impressed by the opening sequence, but we hadn't got to the title drop yet. Yeah. I was very critical of uh, Last of Us 2. I didn't like the pacing of that one and i really didn't Mm -hmm. like the ending a lot of people hated the inciting incident i was okay with that i really hated Mm -hmm. the ending and i love uh horizon zero dawn and i love ghost of tsushima those may be like my favorite games i've ever played and i've logged so many hours on both of them in pandemic did i tell you i'm sorry i'm trying to cut it jedi fallen order oh yeah that one's okay okay it's good it's my favorite There's not as much to explore as there is in the other games, you know? Got it. Mm -hmm. Plus, I'm really struggling to get the Platinum Trophy in Jedi Fallen Order. (laughs) I'm too powerful to kill an enemy solely with kicking. (laughs) And that, okay, my two trophies that I need to get the Platinum Trophy in Jedi Fallen Order, I need to kill an enemy only with kicking. The problem is the button for kicking is also the same button you use to pull out your lightsaber. So I keep accidentally trying to roll, kick, and what I end up doing is roll, slice them in half with a lightsaber. (laughs) And then the other one is I have to let a goat kick me, and then I have to kick the goat back. (laughs) But all of the areas with goats are, like, by cliffs, so I keep falling off. Anyway, what I was trying to say is I have the Platinum Trophy for Ghost of Tsushima, which is very exciting. And I'm working on my Platinum Trophy for Horizon Zero Dawn. All I have to do is finish the new game plus playthrough on ultra hard mode. (laughs) And then I'm going to play all Forbidden West. Then you got it. 
All right, you could talk for a while. Sorry about my video game tangent. <laughs> no, that's good. So a lot. This is going to be a personal tangent, I guess. Is that Tess has revealed she knows that everyone is following her. Like the kids have thought they are being so careful, but Tess is a lot sharper than they give her credit for. And so the kids have this clandestine meeting at like an abandoned uh, merry-go-round or something. Oh, yeah. And they're talking. They're talking about how. Tess could literally be anyone at any time. And that gave me chills because the idea that you could be betrayed by someone pretending to be someone that you trust, I don't like because I have control issues and that's a huge control issue. And I know that wouldn't happen in real life. I get that. I totally get that. But as a story plot, the idea that... Someone could pretend to be your best friend. Someone could pretend mm-hmm. to be a family member. Someone could mm-hmm. pretend and all the while they're plotting your demise. Like you have no recourse. You have no defense against that because you don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think they should be more scared than they are. And they're just like, well, we just won't ever be alone or we won't let her be alone with any of us. And, but the thing is like Max has already clearly stated like, she has some sort of control over me. What do they think they're going to do to fight this girl? And it's brought up in this episode that they believe Isabel's only friends with her because Tess has control over her too. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things. You were talking about how horrible that storyline must be of like, yeah. what if the person you love was replaced by someone who looked exactly like them but wanted to kill you? Mm-hmm. Uh, one alias did this very well oh alias did that so well because they let the audience know right away who the double was and so Mm -hmm. you got that delicious dramatic irony where we knew exactly who in sydney bristow's life was the evil doppelganger Mm -hmm. and then another story that does this uh is the mistborn trilogy there is a being of creatures known as chondra that if they kill someone and consume their bones, they can look just like them. And I do not remember that. There's a that's like a big deal in the second book is they find a body that's clearly been killed by a well, they find a discarded set of bones, which means mm-hmm. that a chondra has abandoned one form and it's replaced someone on the team. And one of the one of the running sub stories in the the second Mistborn book is Vin trying to figure out who on the team has been replaced. Jeez, um, I don't remember that at all. And then uh, there's there's more Conjure shenanigans in the Wild West series. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that it's very fun to see an author take the same story setup and do a different take on it. So mm-hmm. you have, again, we know that someone is a chondra, but the way that the twist is both revealed and influences the plot is different in both of those. And so, yeah, there you go, putting those up. That's really I cool. have too many stories about twins, clones, and doppelgangers. I just, that stuff I love writing about, that's a storyline I love all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't like how Roswell's doing it. I'm so sorry. Because... None of our kids have ever seen Nisado. They just know he's a shapeshifter from like secondhand, thirdhand accounts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they only know that Nesade was a shapeshifter because the sheriff said to Max last episode, my dad always said shapeshifters were real. Obviously, this guy's a shapeshifter. And I'm like, is it obvious? Is it obvious? So they've they've done the thing halfway to what Alias did, mm-hmm. where they showed us right away both times that Nesado has duplicated someone to infiltrate the story. That's Hank, Michael's foster parent, and uh, the psychiatrist who, you know, he faked being Mr. Polsky's psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, is the the horror was for the audience alone, and our main mm-hmm. characters learned about it secondhand. Like, what if Michael had seen Hank's dead body? But then the sheriff the next day was like, I talked to Hank and he's fine. Mm-hmm. And it would have given Michael... Because, you know, Michael wants to trust Nesado. We've seen in all these previous episodes. He has done so much research. He has sought this person out. And to, like, for Michael to know, and maybe even to keep a secret from everyone else, for Michael to know conclusively that Nesado protected him, mm-hmm. I think would mean oh, a lot. Yeah. And that would drive a wedge between everyone who's like, Nesado is dangerous. Nesado is a murderer. And Michael's like, but he was good to me like i'm alive because of him Mm -hmm. what do we do with this yeah i would rather michael have gone evil dark side and joined nisado than this weird storyline with michael and isabel dreaming about Mm -hmm. knocking boots (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a very okay so remember in episode 17 crazy and we were talking about how everything was so intense all the time like there was very intense camera work and there was very intense music i feel like this is a very intense show but i don't think there's a lot of music this it doesn't have anything to do with the plot but a lot of intense stuff happens that's really important but then nothing happens because of it like nothing happens because of it so this so this i feel we did get at the end we get a very big piece of information but it takes so long to get to it that i feel like they had to fill it with a lot of stuff and be like oh drama oh alien molecular magics magic babies all kinds of molecular magics (laughs) i i feel like they have something big planned for the finale and they're trying to get all their dominoes lined up before the finale and Mm -hmm. I'm, and it just feels like they're throwing a bunch of dominoes in my face instead of setting them up in a cool pattern. (laughs) To see if they'll land somewhere cool. (laughs) Yeah. But Meg, something happens that you called 100% in the last episode. Would it be that they find the camera instantly? (laughs) Find the camera. (laughs) Just, I mean, obviously they find this camera instantly. And, but what I didn't expect was for Tess's weird robot father to instantly bring it to the sheriff. Mm-hmm. I liked that because yeah. I think they're doing a great job at keeping their cover. And he's supposed to be FBI. But instead of taking it to the FBI, he takes it to the local sheriff. Okay, listen, we don't have conclusive proof that that Tess and her father are FBI affiliated, although I don't see 
any other option. But anyway, um, he takes it to the sheriff and it's almost like veiled threats of being like, hey, oh my gosh, I found this camera in my house. I don't know how it got there. I know exactly what your little child friends are up to, Sheriff. So <laughs> tell them I know. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the theory you had about Tess and her dad? Yes. So Megan calls me earlier this week and she's like, okay, I can't wait until we podcast. Listen to this. Tess is an alien and we don't know everything they can do. And I think Tess got captured when the FBI descended upon the spaceship. I think Tess got, listen, there's no, there's no delicate way to say this. I think Tess got chopped in half. Like a starfish. Yeah, like a starfish. And half of her stayed Tess and the other half has like morphed into her father character because we know shape-shifting is an alien power so obviously Tess would have access to this unless Nisato is a completely different species of alien than they are but I don't I don't know if I buy that but anyway so both of these beings were originally Tess but she during some sort of weird FBI vivisection did you know that's what you call an autopsy on an alive person thought you should know i did not know that bad right and that's why tess and her father character are both so strange is they're both like half of the same being who's been split in two Mm. nice i like that theory i like that you're thinking like way outside the box because literally like when you called me and <laughs> just it's a new episode and they're just like yeah uh what should happen this week um michael has always been obsessed with frogs and <laughs> i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> because yes anything could happen Isabel takes it upon herself. Isabel has um, Isabel has kept herself aloof from a lot of the gangs, not activities, but like actions, I guess, where, you know, anytime something happens, either Maria or Michael sneaks in somewhere to grab files or, you know, Liz is the one who goes into the house to try and plant the camera sort of a thing. But Isabel, uh, I think, has a really good cover. Um, as the high school student, she is the one that doesn't rock the boat. She doesn't, uh, seem to really have any issues with authority, that sort of thing. And I bring that up because she is able to successfully fool one of the administrators in the office by saying, Hey, I'm on this made up committee that we welcome new students the and committee. the sunshine committee. Cause you can never have too much sunshine. She did a great job. I thought this was a great, a great scene. And she is like, yeah, we're going to welcome students and there's a new student test. And so we need to know about her previous homes or previous school or whatever, so that we can fully welcome her. And, and she's able to convince the woman who initially is like, I've never heard of this. And Isabel's like, isn't that a shame? Um, and she's able to sneak in and she's printing off or getting access to Tess's records. And Tess sees her through the window, but Isabel doesn't see her. And so we as the audience know that Tess is already onto them. This is just adding fuel to the fire. She's escalating. <laughs> Tescalating. 
escalating. But we also get proof that Maria is still the best friend for everyone because she's come up with a plan to never leave Michael, to never leave Max alone for a minute because she has, she is not a Tess fan. She has never been a Tess fan and she hates Tess and she wants to protect Michael because she wants to protect Max because Max is Liz's significant other. And even you mess up the name. I do, I do, I do, I do, so. Do you want to know what I'm drinking? What are you drinking? So, I have some bubbly water left over from a fancy dinner I posted. Mm-hmm. And nobody should just drink bubbly water on its own. <laughs> uh, so, I added sugar and lemon juice, and I made bubbly lemonade. That sounds delicious. It is nice. All right. Okay. <sighs> Listen, I, Okay. This next scene. Sorry, not that we're going beat by beat, but I'm, I'm trying to get to like the big, the big action things because Maria has said, we're not going to leave you alone for a minute. And uh, Liz and Max are talking in a very private conversation at the Crashdown Cafe about we're going to keep an eye on, on Tess. We're going to make sure we know her every move, blah, 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 blah. And then the sheriff just comes up and says, I wish you would stop hiding things from me. I'm like... Sheriff Sharif, they don't like you. We don't. The kids have no reason to trust you. You gave them the egg baby communication because the plot said you had to, not because you had any reason to do so. Like, this, I hate the characterization of the sheriff in these last few episodes. They did a little bit better in the episode before where we got to see him discover things a little more organically. But he's just assuming that he is in the inner circle, inner sanctum. Yeah. And he's not. He's he's still the enemy to these kids. <laughs> Do you know what I want to know? What? When's Kyle's time to shine? When is Kyle's time to shine? He was not in this episode. No, he wasn't. We Even though him. he was in the opening credits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen. I will give him a little slack because he does come to the kids and say, hey, Ed Harding, Tessa's father, found the camera in the house and and then he tell, okay, the, I'm going to complain for a second because he says, Do I it. know it's, he goes, I know it's FBI made. I know it's this. And guess what? Because of this, uh, he says, uh, the alien hunting unit of the FBI is in Roswell. How does he know that? Because also, go ahead. Okay, how does say. he? <laughs> I'm going to say something really fast. How does he know that? Because, uh, like, he ran into them once, saving Alex from them during episode 17, and then he has no reason to believe that they're still here in Roswell. He has no way to back this up at all. I was going to say. That he says, oh, this camera is the reason the FBI is has come. And I'm like, no, no, no. The camera is here because the FBI already came. Mm-hmm. And we sort of stole it from them, leaving it in uh, Michael's house. Yeah. So his statement just didn't make sense at all. I think, I think what would have been a more effective piece of dialogue would be for him to say something like, do you really think... The FBI can't still watch through this. Yes. That would have been great. 
like, I'm sorry, high school sophomore, did you really think that you would be able to permanently hack this piece of FBI surveillance equipment? But also, I would like to call out something mm-hmm. uh, on Sheriff Sharif in this episode where he's like, I can't believe you all are hi- still hiding things from me. Mm-hmm. Who was watching the kids with a telephoto lens from his car at the end of episode 18? It was the it sheriff. Was the sheriff. <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> oh, he's the worst. Yeah, he really is. Um, And so he's kind of giving all these, like, I can't protect you unless you tell me everything, which I think is just a way to learn things that he has no other way to learn about. And he's trying to guilt these kids into telling, well, okay, I don't feel like he's guilting them into telling them something, but feels like he's guilting them into telling them something. He still only thinks that Max is an alien. That's right. Um, In the episode when he showed up and gave Max the communicator, Mm -hmm. he like treats Max as the de facto leader of the group. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're a bad investigator. Mm -hmm. Because why on earth would you not suspect, again, his twin sister that was adopted at the exact same time. You or are never going to let they, that go. I'm never going to let this out. Or this boy that they constantly hang out with who's also been, you know, not adopted, but in foster care his whole life. I'm like, clearly these kids all share a similar mysterious origin. Why would you not assume all three of them are aliens? And this is the, this is the problem of uh, – being convinced that you know the answer before you start investigating is your uh, preset bias will like close down your perception and your recognition of other important clues. And I'm just saying, I would not watch a procedural with this sheriff. He would not be an entertaining investigator to watch. And I wish that Sherlock and Joan Watson from Elementary would show up and just destroy him. (laughs) (laughs) Deduct the crap out of it. Oh my gosh, do I want to write an Elementary Roswell crossover (gasps) fanfic? I would read that in a heartbeat. (laughs) That'd be fun. (laughs) Well, after that awkward frankly awkward conversation we go to another awkward conversation where isabel has come home and finds her mom sitting at the kitchen table with tess and it's played off in such a way because we already know that tess can get people to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do and so isabel comes in to find her mom with all these photos out telling very personal stories about Isabel and Max to Tess. And to Isabel, it looks like, yes? I don't think Tess can make anybody do whatever she wants. Okay. I think Tess has influence over the other aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think because Tess and Isabel are friends that she literally just, like, asked the mom to show her the, the okay. photos. Sorry, okay. you keep going. That's fair. No, no, no. But um, I felt like it was played off that Isabel's worried about this because she's worried that Isab- Isabel is worried that Tess has manipulated her, Isabel, into being her friend, just like she's manipulated Max into kissing her and, you know, doing stuff that he would never do in a million years. So I could see why she would think that Tess could make her mom spill her guts mm-hmm. about their childhood. Mm-hmm. And she is really nervous about having Tess in the house. Um, 
And then there's a really weird conversation. It was, it was just really weird. Like she makes, Tess makes Isabel so nervous that she like drops and breaks a mug. And so they're both kneeling down on the ground and Tess grabs Isabel's hand and is like, there are things you don't know about me, but I wanted, I want you to know the truth. I just don't want you to hate me for it. And she's very cryptic about it. And like, kind of like staring Isabel like dead in the eye, like, we're destined to, you know, our destinies are intertwined sort of a thing. And she's just being really intense and really weird. And as after she leaves, uh, this is where the, the title of the episode comes from because Isabel looks down and sees there are four sugar cubes lined up, like not in a row, but like two and then two underneath it. And she's like, it's a sign. It's a sign. I'm like, how are you getting that this is a sign? But it is a sign that uh, Tess has set up because we'll find out more what this all means. Listen, I would have thought this a sign if Tess had, I don't know, maybe used some toothpicks to connect the sugar cubes. Mm-hmm, to put the X because in Isabel it. Isabel is saying that this is the symbol from the dream with the, the four squares connected by an X. Um, but I really liked this Tess and Isabel scene Mm -hmm. because we just had Maria saying, we can't leave Max alone. We can't leave Max alone for a second because Tess has this power over Max. And then Isabel comes home. Tess is, it's so threatening. Okay. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Remember in Arcane when Marcus comes home and Silco is playing with his daughter? Yes. It felt like that kind of scene where Tess is like, I'm already a part of your life and like I could do I could do things to your mom if I wanted mm-hmm. um and after we've had all this talk about not leaving Max alone again we see that the kids are absolute fools thinking that Max is the only one Tess has power over because clearly she holds the same sway over Isabel mm-hmm. as well yeah yeah and it's you can tell isabel is really freaked out about it and she later says it's the whole thing kind of seemed very surreal like she feels like she lost time and she's not even sure if what she's not even sure if the conversation she had with tess happened and so finally she and max sit down and start comparing notes about what did it feel like when it happened for you what did it feel like when it happened for me that sort of a thing and even though they're sitting there being honest with each other, uh, they're also talking around, they're talking around the problem, uh, which is they're afraid. What I got out of this was that they're afraid that Tess is making them less human, that she's waking up their alien sides. Because like at one point, Max says like, it feels like something primal, something not human. And I think he's afraid that Tess is changing him into someone that he is not because their lives are great. We've talked about this before. Their lives are great. They love their life. And if Tess is coming in to mess it up, that's going to be an issue for all of them. Listen, I would have loved if that was what really was happening in this scene. I didn't get it at all. Oh. Also, Emily... They have so many alien powers. Mm -hmm. Why don't they try and walk in Tess's dreams? I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of dream walking. 
Yes, Megan, what happens next? Why don't you tell us what happens next? Isabel has a dream, and 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 she's in that same very low-cut, strapless black dress. And Michael's there in a black t-shirt. And they just start making out. And she wakes up, and he wakes up in the other room, and they run in, and they realize... They had the same dream together. Mm-hmm. That they were kissing in the dream. Yes. Yeah. What happened? That's what happens. Uh, and they're both they're both really freaked out about this. And they both keep saying over and over, it was only a dream. It was only a dream. Because not only are they seeing these things in their dreams, I get the feeling that they are also feeling these emotions. Well, like, have you ever had a dream about someone in your real life that was either very romantic or very antagonistic and you woke up the next day and, like, you knew it wasn't real, but you, like, had those feelings of that real feeling dream that you were in? Mm -hmm. You're mad at somebody all day long for something they said in your dream and you know it's stupid, but it felt so real. Uh, I had a dream where I was Narnia style, the guardian of this alternate universe. Mm Mm-hmm. And only this person I had met once at a party was my romantic significant other. And I was standing them up because I was sneaking into this other dimension to, you know, save the world. And they didn't get it. And to distract it, to distract them, uh, I basically seduced them and was like, <laughs> let's just... No, listen, just kiss me. Come here. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. And it was one person that I met one time at a party. And, like, later I ran into them again. And I had to, like, forget that I'd had this super extravagant, like, Hollywood production level amazing dream where I was the protector of this alternate reality. And they were my poor, simple uh, lover from back home who didn't know the truth. (laughs) Oh, that's great. It was a s***, but I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the dream scene is kind of winding down, and Isabel, I guess, has sketched out all the symbols she can remember from her dreams, or everyone has come together, because I think everyone at this point has seen these symbols in their dreams at one point. And it's revealed, this, to me, okay, This is one of my least favorite plots in this series because this happens a lot is that and I understand it is a common trope for drama. I I get it. I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything. It's a trope. It's a trope that I don't care for. That doesn't mean it's bad in this instance. But people will find out what other people have done. So Max finds out that Michael and Isabel, the night that he was drunk, do you remember in Blind Date, basically called Nisado. Like, Isabel explains that Michael navigated by the stars. Michael has done all of this stuff. This happens multiple times in this episode that people will find stuff out and not tell other people. And then it's this big dramatic reveal of, you knew all along, or how could you have done this? Why didn't you tell me? Nobody talks to each other. And I think in this instance, it's a poor way to ratchet up the tension. Because there's no reason they shouldn't be sharing the information freely because everyone wants to figure out the same thing. And I'm very frustrated with this trope in this episode because Max gets all mad that, well, this is why Nisato's here and it's all your fault. It's always Michael's fault. It's not always Michael's fault. It's not. 
usually it's Max's, actually. Like, this is all Max's fault. If he had just let Liz die during the inciting incident, none of this would have happened. Listen, I'm I'm glad he saved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're, we're starting okay. to see cracks in the friendships because... Max is like, you led him straight to us. And Michael's like, that was the goal all along. And basically Max is like, no, we need to be in control all along. And no one's on the same page, even though everyone should be on the same page. Remember in the next scene, how they're like looking at constellations and they're like, is there any constellation that's a triangle? And I'm like, my guy, any three stars in the sky make a triangle <laughs> megan tell them about the amazing technologic futuristic computer program they use to deduce what zodiac they need to be looking for so uh liz has this computer program that has been put together by the art department and it is uh called the West Roswell High Astronomy CD. This is not a web program. This is apparently, they have a CD-ROM that has all of the information in the galaxy on it. <laughs> but they, they go through and they find the different the different things, but it's just so funny. And I mean, I know this was made 20 years ago, and I remember pro- using programs like that. 20 years ago that you know using them on cd-rom so i'm like okay you know well nostalgia flashback there but um so wait there's more oh there's so more <laughs> it's it has this great backdrop of the night sky mm-hmm. so it's aries and he's like but there's only three stars in that constellation and there needs to be five so she just types in today's date and aries all of a sudden has just two more stars in it and it completes the v shape even though three stars already make a v (laughs) (sighs) well while they're doing that michael is so freaked out about the dreams he's been having about isabel because i think he has really seriously dedicated his uh feelings to maria and this is freaking him out that all of a sudden he's dreaming about isabel so he kind of accosts maria in the middle of the hallway and basically says we're gonna go study and maria's like cool this came on fast do you want to talk about it he's like nope let's go make out and um turns out isabel is doing the same thing with alex and both couples meet up at the eraser room (laughs) what is that face megan the eraser room (laughs) (sighs) so because they're so freaked out by the dream which i think is like what you said isabel and and michael are doing this very sad reactionary thing and this may be the the highest concentration of lines that both of their partners get in this episode Mm -hmm. um and it's just sad it's sad that they can't honestly confide in their partners what's happening. They don't tell anyone about these dreams. Mm-hmm. They are just like trying so hard to pretend they don't happen. Again. And it, no communicating. Yeah. Isabel, for some reason after school, is just so deeply tired that Alex takes her home. And there is this 
scene where he's tucking her into bed because she's just so sleepy. She's just so tired. And I'm like, is this not a red flag for anybody that alien nonsense is happening? Um, But then he kisses her on the forehead. And we had a quick discussion of, would I like to be kissed on the forehead by the person I am dating? And what did you say? I said probably not, but it depends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like it when people touch my face. <laughs> <laughs> or take pictures of you while you're sleeping. Or take... Listen, Emily, yes. it's creepy. <laughs> I have not done it since we went to Disney World almost three years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen, I... I'm not going to apologize. I had a thought. Do you remember back in the episode? Was it? What's the episode Is where? This about the bubble bath? Yes. Yes. And we that were talking. Episode 17. Okay. And we were talking about how it creeped you out that you were getting this. And here, I finally figured out why it didn't creep me out. It's because they were oh. in an established relationship. If a dude just came up to me and gave me bubble bath and said, it's supposed to make your skin soft, I would like squeeze it all like over him and be like absolutely not like no 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 that's creepy but because they're in an established relationship a gift that's a little more intimate was okay in my eyes but if like some random person came up and was like here i'd be like nope i just had to say that because i thought about that conversation uh Listen, we're we're jumping we're jumping back onto this. Okay. For me, the red flag was he bought the bubble bath specifically because it made skin soft, and he said it with the anticipation of someone who would get to touch all of her skin because they were in a relationship. Right. <laughs> and that's just weird to me. Okay. It's okay. It reminds me of a scene in Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> where Boyle meets a woman at a party at Captain Holt's house mm-hmm. and they're making out in the closet and then she pulls up a leaf uh, like a bay leaf or something and she says here, chew on this, it will give our kissing umami flavor and so he puts it in his mouth and they both start kissing Ooh. and then they pull apart and then she pulls it out of her mouth I don't want to know that about their relationship <laughs> fair, just, fair Listen, we're not getting we're not getting back into this again. <laughs> I just would like to say don't automatically assume your partner wants hygiene products. Okay. Let's just let's just let's just say let's that. Just leave it at that. Isabel's having alien dreams and while that is going on cuz you know she thinks I think I don't know if we said this earlier but she thinks her dreams are being sent to her by Tess. That is her explanation because Isabel doesn't want to possibly believe that she's having feelings for Michael. Tess shows up at Michael's house and breathes on the window all mysteriously and makes the four dots. And he starts having memories of the night that he basically not was born, but is like running through the desert. Yes, darling, you have your hand raised. I think you skipped a significant dream Isabel has after Alex tucks her in. Oh, sorry. I thought we talked about that. Go back and talk about it. I'm sorry. No, sorry. We, we talked about Alex tucking her in. Uh... She has a dream where Michael has her pinned to the ground up on a very high rock and they're making out and we get a crossfade that is clearly supposed to indicate they did the do in this dream. Mm -hmm. This is a dream about doing. (laughs) 
And they did it. And they did it. And then at the very end of the dream, there is a shot of a baby in utero. Like a baby floating in the amniotic fluid and just bam. She had a dream about doing it and now she's like, well, I guess I'm pregnant for reals now. I'm like, that is definitely a nightmare. Writers. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Nothing. I was just going to be like, writers? No. (laughs) That is definitely a nightmare that I have had before that all of a sudden I'm pregnant and I don't know who the father is and I have to go tell my parents I'm pregnant and I don't know how it happened. (laughs) But you're saying Tess shows up to Michael's house Mm -hmm. and uh, she's outside his window and she's being lit up so we see her reflection in the window and when Michael stands up to walk to her I started going oh I am what I am (laughs) I do what I want because we have this almost identical shot from the theme song Mm -hmm. of uh of Max and and Liz being in each other's reflections like this Mm -hmm. (gasps) Megan what we were wrong we're Kyle is in this episode. What? He is in this episode. Because remember. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I hope they break Tess out of FBI brainstorming boot camp and she gets to be a normal teenager and date Kyle. So basically Liz finds out that Kyle is thinking of meeting up with Tess at one point. She's seen them talking and she's like, oh no, she's going after him. I have to protect my friend who doesn't know about aliens. But we used to date, so it's really awkward. So she goes to warn him off of this girl and he, rightfully so, is a butt about it. And is just like, well, you know, blondes are really fun. And I can't remember everything that he says, but but... He's basically like, you don't want me to hang out with her? Do you know that that means I 100% absolutely will hang out with her now? And so Liz is all freaked out and worried. And so she and Max follow him to the library. They're apparently going to go to the library and hang out at the library. But this is where we get the molecular magic, which I think this is one of my favorite powers that they have shown so far in this episode emily all of their powers are molecular magic okay let me rephrase it this is one of my favorite powers that i've seen so far in this series not just the episode (laughs) these kids are no match for tess at all at all she has masterminded her way she has set this all up specifically so that max and liz will follow them to the library to see her do this and it is, she she climbs up, she moves some books aside on the very top shelf, and then she kind of like, I guess she wipes her hand over the wall or something, and a silver handprint appears, which is part of the, you know, lore, age, alien lore. Mm-hmm. And she then reaches through the wall and pulls out a very cool looking futuristic uh, notebook with the symbol from the... From the kids' the communicators, stuff that the kids, we know that they used to draw it when they were kids. And so they just, they can't pull one over Tess. They can't do it. I hate this episode. What happens next? Why do you hate this episode? 
Isabel has another dream, and she's pushing the child in the swings, and she's dressed in, like, 90s mom pastel jacket and a dress, and Michael's there in, like, a jean jacket that matches the baby's jean overalls. And then they both wake up in the night, and they go talk to each other, and she looks up at the night sky, and she's like, I'm pregnant with your baby, because we're aliens. What are we going to do? And I'm like... We procreate in dreams. <laughs> and they're, they've got the constellation in the night sky out beyond them. And it's uh, the, the shot is eerily reminiscent to the opening Starfield shot that we had. Mm-hmm. But I just, I hate it so much. I, I hate this dream pregnancy alien baby that just comes out of nowhere. Here's the thing, too, is that it's... Anyways, I don't want to rag on people too much, because I'm sure people do their very best, but the lines that they have to say is, Isabel says, I think I'm pregnant with your child. How could this be? And then Michael just says, yeah, something weird like this had to happen sooner or later. Like, he's not phased in the slightest, and I'm thinking, watching this as a woman, if I were to tell someone, hey, I'm pregnant with your kid, and they're like, meh. I'd be like, uh. So I think I mentioned about eight episodes ago, mm-hmm. probably more. I'm not keeping careful track. Mm-hmm. About how frustrating I am about the ill definition of their powers. Mm-hmm. That it's just molecular. Yeah. And that it can literally be whatever they come up with that week. And I'm not saying I want it to be as you know, strictly defined as Star Trek, but I mean, which, which also can basically come up with whatever they want because they're set far enough in the future that they can write the science fiction technology to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's so rarely story related. It's Mm -hmm. just always story convenient. Mm -hmm. Isabel can walk in people's dreams. Oh, but she doesn't do it all the time. Max called forth the soul of Liz's dying grandmother so she could talk to her. Michael made somebody itch once. It's just, it's whatever story convenient. I don't, I don't like it. I am so sorry. Here, so in these last 10 minutes-ish of the episode... This is where we're getting a bunch of big reveals. And I think the last 15 minutes of this episode were great because we finally got answers. Because we've talked about a lot of times before, the kids get answers and then everything like physically gets taken away from them. But they're, they get a few more answers this way. Um, Tess comes and like whammies Max to come out to the desert with her. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Nope. You finished what you were going to say. Okay. And they go out to this, this rock, this outcropping, which is the same out, the same rock that, uh, Isabel and Michael have been seen in their dreams. And Tess starts talking to Max and it seems like Max kind of breaks out of it and he gets very violent with Tess because she's saying, because he's accusing her, you're Nisado, you've killed people, 
I'm not going to let you hurt my friends. And Tessa's like, I'm not here to hurt anyone. Basically, I'm here because I'm destined to be here and you're destined to be here. And it takes this very, not a, not a, not an out of nowhere turn, but all of a sudden the storyline's starting to solidify just a little bit more. Um, what were you going to say, Megan? I interrupted I you. I hate this final scene. It takes so long for so little to happen. And we spend so much time in the flashback of them as alien kids. Mm-hmm. Like this scene is just too long. And the episode just ends without any discussion or conversation and that's why my jaw dropped so i was just so flabbergasted they posted an unfinished episode <laughs> so I'm sorry i'm being so cranky about this <laughs> if you worked on this show i hope you had a fun time so uh, the end of the episode basically is everybody figures out where they came from as they go and they find that they were like in these hibernation pods as kids and when they all break out they're just standing there dripping in goo, these, you know, what, six-year-old kids. And there's the three of them. There's Max, Michael, Mar- Max, Michael, and Isabel. Okay, Meg, correct me if I'm wrong. Michael and Isabel go off together. And Max is afraid to go because there is a fourth alien, this little blonde girl, which clearly is Tess. And so it's confirmed that those four squares, there was two pods on the top, two pods on the bottom. That's the four of them. That these four alien kids all came together and that's like, that's who they are. Is They are the four aliens from the pods and from the four squares. So, but it does end very, very abruptly after like, yeah, it feels like the flashback with the kids goes on for so long that it's almost like a short film in and of itself. And I understand that they're like, oh, look, you get some answers, but it's like they set something up and we miss the punchline. And also, I am deeply afraid that this is speed running Tess to be an ally because we need her on our side for the finale. The way they tried to speed run that the sheriff's on our side now, too. I don't like it. So sorry. Well, that was the episode for Square. Our next episode is season one, episode 20, Max to the Max. Megan, what do you think is gonna happen? I hope we find out that Isabel's not really pregnant, that it happened in the past. Max to the max? Listen, you... Does he get super speed so he can uttered both this, girls at once? That would be interesting. You uttered this phrase in one of our past episodes. You're like, max to the max. And I'm just like, tee hee hee, that's an episode in the future. You look so sad and so worried. <laughs> okay. all right let's end this episode so we can just watch the next one 
Megan, I appreciate you letting me make you view this. Thank you for being such a good co-host and such a good sister. I appreciate you so much. My sister made me view it. I did, and I am, and I will. (laughs) Well, enjoy your evenings or days, whatever time. Hope you guys have a good day. (laughs) We are going to take off because I should be writing my book. It's due in two weeks. We forgot to say that in the beginning. Anyways, I'm going to get back to not writing my book. I'm going to watch the next episode with Megan. I'm also going to watch the next episode with Emily. I just, I hope it follows the pattern and the next episode is really good. We will see. Anyways, you guys are great. Oh, we believe in you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. again listeners for coming by and listening to my sister made me view it the roswell 1999 edition if you enjoyed the show and want to listen to more you can tune back next thursday march 31st for our my sister made me view it way of kings edition where megan is the expert on all things brandon sanderson's way of kings and i know nothing really and we just go chapter by chapter uh so come check that out if you're interested and then if you join us again April 7th, which is a week from that Thursday, we'll have a new episode of My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 version. Just keeps coming. You can't stop us. Anyways, a special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, for both our podcasts. We really appreciate it, Michael. Thank you very much. You can find us on our social media, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt. And I'm going to be straight with you. It's pretty much pictures of our pets. The dog, Copper, and the cats, Kenobi and Taco. And you know what would make them so happy and would bring a smile to their little faces? Is if you had some time and you dropped us a rating and review, either on Apple iTunes or Spotify, which I believe you can rate stuff on Spotify. I don't know if you can give it a review, but I'm pretty sure you can rate stuff. And then also Google Play. We're new on Google Play. Anyways, thank you again for stopping by. We've had so much fun talking about this. I hope you have had so much fun listening. Megan, thank you again for being the best sister ever. I'm editing this podcast. Uh, Hope you guys have a great week, that you're not freezing. Spring is here for you. Let's go forth. Let's just go do the things that bring us joy and happiness. And remember, we believe in you.